Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 228, and I am your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. And host number three, Dr. Corey Petty. What's up? Oh, yeah. Yep. We have a new host today. Welcome to Joe host Blau. Number, host number four, Joe Blau. Joe I'm Blau. Host, just a long-time listener. He's, I think he's listened yeah. to, like, every episode. I think he's one of the few, one of the, the yeah. few of that exists yeah. that listen to every single episode. Yep. Great was episodes. it tough to get through, or did you just was it just like the most pleasant experience <laughs> that you've ever had? Um, I would say mo- for the most part they were pretty easy to get through, but you know you also have to factor in that like I have a lot of time walking back and forth. So the thing is that you guys cover lots of different topics from lots of different perspectives. So it's not like the same thing over and over. So I actually enjoyed going through all of them. Nice. Is Marcello the worst? <laughs> <laughs> that's what our reviews say i no, wait, i have an update on that i have that an update review on was that. hilarious when you read that by the way i have an update so john retracted his itunes review he said that i gave him a high acknowledging his marcello hate so he's happy to report that he's, up, <laughs> he's updated the itunes review and he said i'm cool so thanks for writing the wave <laughs> nice so you need to read more reviews yeah. people need to give us more reviews in order to read them <laughs> So That's here's a, a quick story before we tell you that we are brought to you by Danica Patrick. Um, we uh, the first review we ever had was me and I gave us four stars and then cello called me out as like not even <laughs> as yourself either. You just like pretending to be somebody. <laughs> no, the name was Bitcoin D. Yeah. And you gave, I gave, you gave us- your own <laughs> podcast four stars. Yeah. And I was like, these guys are okay. There's room to grow, though. And Chella was like, why would you say that about us? This is our show. Why don't you just give us five That's stars? Like, it's like you're speeding and a cop pulls you over. And you're like, I thought you would reward me for my honesty. I didn't slow down when I saw you. And it's like, it doesn't work that way, man. You don't give us three stars to be like realistic. Yeah, I was like, give it give a, us we five had stars. Just, we had just started. I was like, there's room to grow. <laughs> these guys can get better. And you were like, that's weird, man. Just give us five stars. I tried to pretend it wasn't me. Was like, it's not like me. Petty, Petty was like, hey, it's me, Petty. I'm going to let you know straight up. And I'm, I like the sound of my own voice. So I'm giving myself <laughs> five stars. This <laughs> is <was> the truth. <laughs> yeah, anyways. If you guys are listening now, go on iTunes and leave us five stars. Or one. No, I'm all kidding. Right. If you leave us one, we'll hate if you. If you listen to all of our requests for reviews early on on the show, like in all the early episodes, like we, I think we literally just say, if you're going to give us one star, go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like, like just, just go, go eat rocks. Like, <laughs> go eat rocks. Don't kick them. Eat them. Um. So before we, we get into sponsors, do we? 
Well, before we get into our first topic, I just want to let everybody know that October 22nd, which is coming up in a couple of days, uh, we're going to be at the Crypto Invest Summit. Not us. No, not personally, but other shows on the network, Law and Blockchain, the Bullpen Podcast, Dose of Ether. We got a booth next to Bloomberg Media, October 22nd through the 24th. Come say hi. Oh, and then you get 30% off your ticket if you use TBP30 at checkout. And then yep. week after that, we'll be in Prague for DevCon 4. And we yep. will be there, yep. actually. Yep. We will be there. So how was everybody's week before we go into like a talking point? Busy. Busy, busy day. Busy week at status. Really busy nice. week at status. How about you, Joe? Um, week's been busy. Just lots of programming, lots of figuring stuff out that's super, super complicated with self-driving cars. But um, other than that, good. So when are self-driving cars going to take over the world? Yeah, we need to know. Uh, that, was, that was also part of the review because apparently I'm super wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, I don't know. I mean, it depends on a lot of things. Depends on lots of regulations. Depends on different states. Everybody controls their own rules. So, um, you know, you could probably have a self-driving car running right now and just say there are no real drivers that are allowed to be on the road. But that's not really a viable solution. So it's certain places is probably going to happen sooner than later. Like if you go to Arizona, Google has a fully self-driving car running right now. You can pick it up. You can open an app and call it. So Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of time. Do you think the the states that lead the charge are going to be the ones that that uh, benefit the most, most likely? I mean, that typically is how things go with new tech. Um, maybe, but it also there's there are lots of physical like uh, or environmental conditions that make it easier or more difficult to operate a self driving car. Like in Arizona, it's sunny ninety five percent of the time, and there's no precipitation, mm-hmm. so no rain, no snow. But I live in Pittsburgh where it rains almost every day and it snows for like four months out of the year. And that just makes it super difficult if you're trying to have a car that's like shooting laser beams out of the top to like identify things. So Mm, um, there are certain things that just make it easier from an environmental perspective. So the first step in Pittsburgh is we're going to have to create weather control devices and then self-driving cars. Clearly, clearly the route. <laughs> um talking the points. question no i want to know when can i put my blockchain in my self-driving car and is it going to work just like that for those, i've actually brought those that who up can't see him he has he has one hand that is shaped like a an open saucer that things yeah. would leak through and he has the other one like a like a hand crane that comes into his palm mm-hmm. that's how you that's place how you your blockchain it into your self-driving car. So I've just yeah. elucidated what D is doing. Yeah. I actually brought that up at work um, because, you know, like Arcade City was doing um, like d- like ride sharing on the blockchain. And I was thinking, you know, if you have a self-driving car, basically you could operate the self-driving car. It's like its own independent thing and all of its rides and everything would transact through a blockchain. And so I've been talking with one of my coworkers who's super big in, eth- in the Ethereum community or into Ethereum about that. Just like at lunch and stuff. I mean, uh, I think a bunch of people used to talk about things like this in the Ethereum space. Maybe even Andreas too. Is like the the the, the possibilities of the car actually owning itself mm-hmm. um, and being able to buy its own insurance and purchase its own cars and so on and so forth. And there's no real human that actually owns the object. That's that's something that could have never existed beforehand. 
the fact that exactly. it can transact means that it can actually own things and pay for itself. The thing I don't like is like the Tesla Model 3. They're saying that you never have to buy another Model 3 again because the software updates every year. So it's essentially a new car every year. But 15 years from now, that car is going to look like a 99 Corolla. It's not going to be sexy anymore. So, how, you know, that's my issue with it. Some it's people don't like sexy cars. If you're buying a Tesla, it's not a utilitarian car. You're not just going yes. from point A to B. You're well, buying into a movement. Yeah, the 40K, the 40K car could be a utilitarian car, isn't it? Oh, no, 40K is still a lot for a car. Yeah. A lot for a car. Yeah, I don't want to compare a Model 3 to like a Civic or a Camry. Yet. Yet. That's, yeah, yeah, that's maybe, you know? Tesla's, uh, I was going to say, I think Tesla's, yeah, trying to drive the price down on the Model 3 so that it would be comparable cost-wise to a Civic because they're kind of like pretty much making them manually right now. So, or like making them like one off, even though they have a factory line, it's not as efficient as a real, like a a more established auto manufacturer like GM or Daimler or whatever. So it it is, they're, they're super expensive to make right now, but hopefully they'll be able to get the price down. And then it would be just like a utilitarian thing. And then you don't even own the car, you know, you just call it through like Lyft or Uber or Arcade City or, Juno or whatever ride sharing service you use, or maybe even like the car companies make their own ride sharing services. You just call it through that and it comes and picks you up and then you don't care what it looks like. It's not yours. Uber would hate that if like Tesla just launched their own ride share service. But anyways, we did have talking points. That's an interesting tangent. Um, So I had a thought the other day and I was thinking adoption is going to take a lot longer than I think anyone ever suspected. Um, Which is counterintuitive to the way things move in this day and age, right? You have Facebook has gone from an idea from a butthurt guy to one of the the number one tech companies on the planet. And then, and that's less than 10 years. You have Amazon, which in less than two decades has become arguably I don't know, would you say the most powerful? No, they're not the most powerful corporation, but they make, what, 80 cents of every dollar that's spent online? That's that's pretty damn powerful. Um, they they but, broke the barrier, like, 10 years ago, though. Everybody's been using Amazon. Yeah, I know, but I'm talking when they started in, what, 1998? As an online bookstore? Yeah, it was just a bookstore. An online bookstore. It was 10 years before everybody. It was 2007 is when Amazon Prime started, which kind of like skyrocketed everything. But before that, it was just like I heard about Amazon because I was a student and I was tired of going to the bookstore and I was online dilly dallying and I saw an online bookstore and they were offering a discount for students. And that's how I heard about Amazon back in 2006, 2007. And so. In this day and age where things seem like they adopt very rapidly, like virally. Yeah, virally. Is it how do you guys feel that it, it, the crypto adoption is just going to be slow? Because I don't think it could be fast. Uh, I think it could be fast and it should be fast because uh, adoption suggests I think adoption only happens if if information innovations demonstrate an advantage over the current platform like banks and we've already established that it's better and then the evidence has to support the innovation clearly and we have that 
Uh, innovation adoption has to have a social element. We have that. Collegial interactions, we have that. And then there's a lot of discussions, conferences that facilitate that process. Every damn year, we have like 500 conferences. From a traditional standpoint, um, if you're talking about counterintuitive, people think that businesses uh, grow by hiring more salespeople and they get more people on the phone and more people on the street talking to folks. But in the B2B industry, the quality of the material that you can put out for people to consume helps the educational process. We have Coinbase. Coinbase has been around for four or five years now. It's just as easy as it was back then. You know, sign up, you get $10, spend 100 You know, they take care of the keys for you. It's easy. And all I hear about in the news is, oh, we have to we have to decouple currency from the tech. And, oh, now we have uh, Roger Vera and Ryan X. Charles pushing Bitcoin cash. And there's tribalism and there's camps and there's no cohesiveness. That's Twitter, though. Crypto Twitter is where where the early adopters are hanging out, and that's where they're getting their information, and that's the reason why I think it's stunting adoption. And now we're talking about Ripple that's backing banks, and you're waiting for uh, pump and dumps, and then you have people like Randy Zuckerberg trashing it, and you have you know people like you know what I'm saying, like it's not a cohesive space, and I don't think Amazon would have uh, propelled itself if people had so many differing opinions on it. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, D. I was like, that's that's taking from the the sociological aspect. I get that, but Amazon had decades of a layered internet to leverage before they became Amazon. Like TC TCIP, all the all the protocols. I don't know them off the top of my head because I'm not like an internet. Joe, you probably do. Uh, yeah, I, I actually worked at Amazon too. So, <laughs> so like, I, you know, I bring up Twitter because they are the key players, and if they perceive innovations as being simple to use, then innovations are going to be more easily adopted. And they have something in marketing called trialability, which is the degree to which that said innovation can be experimented with on a limited basis. Because new innovations require invested time, it requires energy, it requires resources, and those innovations can then be tried before being fully implemented and more readily adoptable. So I think we're at the stage now where people are just observing to, and they're trying to see the results of the innovation. They're trying to see if it's visible to the adopters and now they're waiting for positive outcomes. Like I'm not going to invest in Coinbase until I see that I don't put in money and lose half of my net worth. That's the thing That's like, you're not investing in Coinbase, and I think that's it's 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 a different technology, so it's it's different for people to even grasp onto. It doesn't work the same as anything we've used in the past, and to be honest, it doesn't work good enough for the types of things that we want it to be used for. It needs to be better. It needs to be better. Like hopefully, lightning things like Lightning Network, when it's more robust, changes that, or any of the scaling solutions associated with it. But it's so ridiculously general in terms of the capability that it's possible of that it's gonna it's gonna disrupt all kinds of shit it's a generalization of value exchange digitally and that is everything it's 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 like trying to redo the internet with while the internet's still there so like all the intuition you have with the internet you have to then reshape people's minds on what they can potentially do or how they're supposed to use it and Mm -hmm. i just i don't think people are ready for that because because of the almost because the way the internet was made 
we have to go backwards in a lot of ways for it to actually take on and full out fully adopt. I was listening to something by um, Steven Sanofsky. I think he used to work at Microsoft. And um, he made this interesting analogy where he was saying that um, there, like in order for the technology to like gain that mass adoption and hit that adoption curve, there needs to, there need to be some benefits that you, that you can do on the new platform that are impossible to do on the existing platform. Um, so I think the example he was giving was like, uh, like you, like I think he gave Uber as an example of like, you need to have a smartphone that is tracking your location for possible. And so there were tons of like ride sharing companies and gypsy cabs and stuff before Uber ever came out. But once you got that, that like key set of like use cases that made it so obvious that the new technology was better, all of a sudden it took off. And I think you see that with lots of things, like even with Amazon, Amazon has two main businesses right now that people are like pretty big on, which is they have their um, online retail um, and then they also have their cloud services. And for the online retail, that really took off once they were able to set those partnerships in place with FedEx and UPS to be able to do that two-day delivery and really offer it for a cheaper price. And then every, or even one-day delivery, depending on where you live or same day. And so once you can hit that point where people are like, oh, I can just go get this online and it comes here in the same amount of time that it would take me if I went to the store or maybe a day later, then that's when that switch flips. And then all of a sudden you just see this massive run up. Well, I get that. That's what I was talking about. Like there's a relative advantage, but there's plenty of crypto companies in this bear market going out of business that have a relative advantage. My thing is adoption doesn't happen unless there's some kind of psychological social impact. Like we have to hit that sweet spot that proposes a person's intention to perform the behavior to use that product. So well, just because the relative advantage is there doesn't mean people are going to use it. Well, the thing is, is that the relative advantage is not there for most people. Like you see things all the time. If you hop onto the Bitcoin Reddit, you hop onto the BTC Reddit, you'll see uh, a fifty million trans fifty million dollar transaction went through with the ten cent fee. Where else can you do that? Not the banks. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's true. But guess what? I don't have fifty million dollars. I need to send to anyone anytime soon. So that doesn't relate to me whatsoever. Now, if you if you dial that down, what if I had a 50 cent transaction to send to somebody and it was 10 cents to send it? Well, I'm not paying 20 percent of the actual damn charge of the 50 cent thing just to send it through. Like, that's not going to. That's what I'm saying. They have to acknowledge the majority of customers. And so that's small slice. That's what makes money and adoption more difficult than the simplicity of what you approach is because people are using money in universally different ways. Like everybody's use for money is different. All even the four of us here, we use we all use money differently, probably starkly differently. And so that's why adoption is not going to be this. It's not going to go formulaic like in the thousands of books that write about adoption. It's it, we're talking about building a new epoch. And then when I say it's going to be slower, it's because like. What Joe knows, the internet was already layered and fully ready to leverage when Amazon started doing its thing. But Bitcoin is the bottom layer. Bitcoin D, it's the very bottom layer of how we move this value around like Corey was talking about. So you're saying like Amazon was the killer app of the internet? Uh, It was one of them. 
Like you have Amazon, Google, um, but you're saying Facebook, that like, like, like you couldn't you couldn't have those unless you had something ready to be built on. Yeah, like. And so we don't have that one thing that's ready to be built on. We're trying to build that thing. And then whatever the first thing is that's that builds on top of it, the Amazon or blockchain is gonna is gonna make the like the whole this whole space blow up. But it's yeah. not this it's not the infrastructure that we're building. It's something that's gonna use the infrastructure. Yes. So my argument is like if it took ten years for Amazon to catch on, it shouldn't take ten years ten years later for things to catch on. We're in the future of like the technology age, and adoption should be quicker. And if we're if Bitcoin's nine years old and we're still like we're not even close, dude. Yeah, but Bitcoin's not on that same trajectory because Bitcoin was a brand new tech. It needs to be. How? How though? Like because then there's not going to be a laggard stage. You know the reason why our grandma uses a debit card or a cell phone is because she has to. We're not going to get to that stage with Bitcoin. We probably won't even see that stage. We have to. That's every that's every techno- technological adoption. People, there's some people that use Amazon because they have to. No, I mean like I mean like you and I literally will have like we'll be old and gray. We won't see the laggards of crypto. It shouldn't take that long. It shouldn't, but it's going to because it's not. It's not that kind of tech that we think it is. Even though it's 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 like a a pig that's wearing the same disguise as the internet. And then when you peel it back, it's like, oh, this isn't the internet. This is just a pig wearing internet clothing. What kind of horrible what kind analogy. analogy is that? That's a horrible <laughs> that analogy. Worst analogy I've heard. It's like a pig. Caught, and when you peel I, that pig back, it's just a pig. I caught, you know, right? I actually caught the horribleness of that as I was saying it. I was like, brain, what's going on? It was like, I'm just putting Still words together, man. I'm just putting words. Hey, cello. Um, I have a question um, if from because I do I do a lot of investing on the side and like different startups and stuff. And yeah. one of the questions that I ask people um, that are that I'm talking to is, you know, what is the use case for your product that's going to make it 10 times better to, in, in whatever metric you want to choose than the existing like the existing product that it's replacing? So. You know, Bitcoin has a certain a couple of use cases. Um, Ethereum has a couple of use cases. All of these other, you know, um, altcoins have a couple of use cases. But what would be the use case where you're saying, like, I'm going to use Bitcoin. And because I use Bitcoin, it's 10x better um, than something else. I think cash. I think in this day and age, people inherently self-educate now. And there's value in salespeople. But rarely in the early part of the process are customers going to accept outbound calls or they're going to want to sit down with a very good salesperson. They're going to want to do a lot of the reading and research themselves. And I think there's no excuse for people to spend, you know, an afternoon and figure out how to use a hardware wallet, figure out how to get away from fees and uh, intermediary fees and all that. Like, it's just an easier process. It's a better currency. And I don't think people are taking the time to do their own research. Yeah, I mean, I I agree that I don't I don't think people are doing that, but I would say like from the fees side, you know, merchants are the, really the only ones that really care about the fees because they pay them. I mean, as a customer, I pay them as well, but when I just swipe my credit card for my coffee and it's three bucks or four bucks, I don't see that, you know, there's like a servicing fee and all that stuff. I just see $3 and I put a tip on there and then I get out of there. Um, and then also um, from the, uh, there was another example you just gave before the, the fees thing. 
but you're also giving your information up you know your your information is vulnerable when you do that every time you swipe yeah that's true i guess i guess their their thing is like they keep my information so that they can give me like one free coffee every time i buy 10 or whatever right um and so there are things that are psychologically um that i think we're like just psychologically numb to where we're not even realizing that there's a benefit and i think when the benefits are obvious that's when people just start to switch over. Like Amazon is obviously better than alternatives. Um, when you look at it now, or if you look at like, um, trying to think, like Twitter in terms of like communicating with somebody around the world, it's way better than uh, alternatives. Or email is obviously way better than sending a, a physical letter from point A to point B or sending a fax from point A to point B. So I think like that 10X, um, that 10X improvement is really, what there needs to be something that's showing that. And I think there are lots of products or there are lots of uh, blockchains right now that have definite possibility of showing that. I just don't know which ones they are right now. The, the hurdle is that this is permission marketing. This is a message that is delivered to people who want to get it. It's not self-serving. It's not, you're not going to turn on the TV and there's a commercial for Bitcoin. There, you have to make an effort. And my thing is, is if people aren't making the effort after nine, 10 years and the narrative is changing and there's tribalism and there's toxicity, it's going to slow down adoption. Yeah, I don't, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to tell people about blockchain right now. I don't, I'm not, I don't want, because it's too difficult to use like they, and, and I don't think we're there yet. So I don't, I'm not evangelizing it nearly as much as I used to. We're not there yet. And this is what I think like the people, most of the people in the industry aren't seeing is that it's not the type of adoption. We're not talking about selling a product. We're not talking about selling a company. What's actually happening here is you guys don't commute to work, but there's lots of people that do commute to work and there's always, always construction. You don't have a choice on how that road upgrades. You just drive and the road gets better. And it changes and then you adapt and you learn a new route to work or you adapt and you learn the new flow of traffic. That's actually the type of adoption that's going on right now. The old road sucked ass and this new shiny type of road exists. But guess what? Road construction takes a long time and it's messy and people get in accidents and it sucks. But that's actually what is happening here. I like that analogy. And the thing is, is that when you're building a new epoch, like the the U.S. highway system is an engineering marvel. It was a new epoch in humanity where humans could travel greater than 50 miles an hour really safely, really fluidly. And that didn't happen because people wanted it to happen. Eisenhower basically grabbed the rich people in the U.S. by the balls and said, I'm going to take your money. And then I'm going to build the system because we need it. Now, that definitely can't happen this day and age. Nothing as soft authoritarian as that can happen. But this is not a product. It's not a company. It's rebuilding the grounds at how we send value over the Internet. So there's going to be construction. There's going to be traffic. There's going to be accidents. There's going to be cops on the road sometimes. You're like, why is there cops over there? Oh. You guys, you guys are still talking about it from like a technological standpoint, though. It's because it's not this is the, a technology. It's not. No, it's it's all what about marketing. Mean? There's a lack of clarity. No, no, There's not. an overwhelming amount of cryptocurrency. The usability is not there. The UI is terrible. 
There's no scalability. There's scams and hacks. There's criminals. Okay. There's volatility. That's all okay. the stuff built there's on regulation. top of the technology. All of that is that, built on top. Those are the barriers. It's not, that, it's not that Web 3.0 isn't there yet. It's the narrative. Okay, so let me tell you what happened way back in the day when Eisenhower was like, yeah, we're going to build a highway system. How many companies do you think were clamoring over getting the rights to building those roads? Every company and every, I bet you 15 companies in every state were like, I can build all of them. I, I can, I can. So you take what, what is there? 49 continental states, 49 times 15. That many companies are clamoring to be the company that builds the highway system. And so that's this, it's the exact same thing we're dealing with here, except for there's nuances with this is that there's public chains and then there's private chains but everyone's still clamoring to build the new highways of how value transfers on the internet. We're not talking about something separate than, than a technology show. Bitcoin D, that, that this is a technology, but it's also something that holds value. It's a protocol that has value. So it's new. Yeah, but we always said like, oh, you know, Grid Plus is going to come out with this new lattice thing, but it's going to be just working in the background and people aren't even going to be knowing and they're using it. So then why is that important? That's because of what Joe said. It's that it's that. Go ahead, Joe. You look. You want to say something? Well, you're muted. You're muted. So. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say I do think that Marcello has a point in terms of the marketing and like the confusion <laughs> that's going out because I have a lot of friends who you know I promoted lots of cryptocurrencies to and said like you know this is gonna take over and I think that last year was a big run up that got everybody excited about it um, and then. Now they're like, well, what happened? What happened? You know, why didn't this thing like take off like you said it was going to take off? And I do think that the messaging, because, you know, a lot of it is also about product. And I do think that the messaging of the products that we were committing to um, as a community were not like we couldn't really, really couldn't deliver on them. And so it's if you look at it from the product perspective, I do think that there's a lot of mixed messaging. It's like there are a lot of these fundamental pieces are in place, like the concepts of the pieces are in place, but there's not really, there aren't really good product marketers that are saying, that are honing the product and saying, this is the thing that you need to build. And this is the thing that you need to ship in six months. It's like, well, we can do this. And then like two months later, it's like, well, we could also add this and then we could add this and we can add this. And I think the best products that are built are really refined one single use case. And that's what makes them take off. I think that's what made Bitcoin take off. It had like one single use case. They weren't trying to do smart contracts. They weren't trying to do like all this other stuff. They have one use case and they still really have one use case. And I think that that's what's keeping that thing, Bitcoin, as solid and stable as it is. What's, but I do agree with Marcello. What's on that. different about a lot of this is that like when you build, when you build on top of this, like where the, where the value is stored is not in the company that builds on top of it. With Amazon, the, val the value that they make is the value that they keep and hold. They have all that information they can, that they can leverage. They provide the services because they, they have the information that they can leverage and so on and so forth. And the value is in, it, the, all the value is stored in Amazon and has nothing to do with the internet. So the internet doesn't like gain value because of it. It just, it just enabled them to be able to store that value. And this is an entirely different thing. Like good quality blockchain services don't store any value. They're not storing the information associated with the people, all of all that value is stored in the, in the layer below it. That's a very different thing. And yeah. how you market that, like, what are you marketing? Are you marketing the thing before it? Or are you marketing yourself? Are you doing both? Or like, with, with the distinction of those two things is is now blurred. And I don't think we've figured it out yet on like how to market in this space because companies are just like they're they're just taking people's money and then giving it back to them and not storing it. They're just like 
transforming it in some way or providing a service or it's just or it's just a clear exchange where they're giving up ownership and mm-hmm. there is no like you know give us your information and then we'll provide you a service and we'll be sure to hold on to that information for you and all that data and value or like give me all your money and I'll and I'll and I'll, I'll and I'll take care of it for you and then you can you can ask me to use it whenever you want to that's not how this works it's it's hold on to all of your shit and then use services to do things you want to do while still hopefully holding on to all of your shit and how you put value in the thing that provides those services is different and we're still using the models of the old system to to evaluate it you know we we probably got to cut to the the interview soon yeah and what i'll say is that i think the marketing teams in this space are spending a lot of money and time and effort focusing on the wrong people and the right people people stay on top because they're smart the quietest people in this whole industry the quietest person like are the 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 visa and the mastercards of the world because if i go to a business and told them hey what if i could set you up with a system where you no longer have to pay any fees on any transactions that your customers pay to you every business on the planet would say yes thank you come into my office and set that up please but nobody's talking to these businesses and nobody is willing to go through the painstaking efforts to let them know like okay this is a bitcoin node this is a lightning node. You set these things up and then you let your customers know how they can pay you through these nodes. And guess what? No more transaction fees for you. You can even have crazy discount options that you give back to your customers and get more customers through the doors. Nobody's talking to them because that's the tough conversation to have. Is they're like, well, Visa's easier. I just go online, I fill out the thing. And then the Visa's like, they take my money, they make it easy, it's cool. But that new... Epoch is the tough conversation. And there you go, Cello. You want your marketing teams to focus on it's the small businesses that are getting raked over the coals with these transaction fees when all they need to do is spend a week and learn how to set up a Bitcoin node, then maybe spend another half a week and learn how to set up a lightning node and boom. All right, what software? More- what software are they gonna use to keep track of their finances? Uh Jack shit, because it doesn't exist. And you guys are using examples like Visa and MasterCard where there's like only a handful of things to keep track. There's like 2,200 cryptocurrencies and they, they're not all created equal. They're for gamers. It's for agriculture. It's for music. It's for art. And there's extraordinary promise. There's rock solid theories. There's use cases. There's community support for every one of them. But it's overwhelming. Yep. I mean, yep. we saw this same pattern happened in the late 90s when a lot of the internet startups, you know, everybody basically decided to add like .com to their website, just like people are adding that blockchain to their iced tea company. And it was kind of like the same type of thing, right, where everybody was trying to take anything that existed in the physical world and say, now this is on the web, right? Socks.com, pets.com, whatever.com. And it yeah. got overwhelming. And then it, it got to a point in the early 2000s where all of the garbage got flushed out. And then that's when you started to see like, okay, Google's still here. Amazon's still here. PayPal's still here. eBay's still here. Craigslist is still here. And that's when you started to see the actual use cases where you're like, okay, this is a concrete use case that provides clear benefit over the existing thing. Whereas some things that didn't make it were not. And I think we're in that like calling period where you're gonna start to see lots of companies are shutting down, lots of ICOs are getting flushed out. And it might be maybe another six months or so, maybe another year before you start to really find out like, okay, who is actually in here building something that we can use 
versus who was just building something and just trying to get in the hype and try to take advantage of people throwing money in the cryptocurrency space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we should have, for me, there should have been, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, before the space blew up, there should have been PhD and university courses in blockchain technology. Consensus should have offered crossover courses in Ethereum uh, blockchain to developers, mathematicians, computer scientists, a whole bunch of disciplines to explore the new technology before we even started building. Because if you call yourself an expert in the space, people are going to laugh at you. And how, how are there no experts in the space when we have like, like 5,000 companies in the space? It's done. Okay. That's a great way to end it. Uh, coming on the show, we have an expert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, I wasn't here for this. Sorry. We we had a um, a Lightning Network developer, teacher, consultant. Uh, his name is Renee Picard. Uh, very pleasant individual. Right now, he he stream doesn't stream, but he records uh, these tutorials on how to develop on the Lightning Network. Um, is very very fascinating stuff, and he makes it very easy to understand. Um, we'll give a link to his, his website in the show notes, but without further ado, here's Rene Picard and, uh, here it is. Hey everybody. We have uh, a special guest today. Another, another interview brought to you by the Bitcoin podcast, of course, cause you're listening to it. But anyways, um, we have Rene Picard, a, a data science consultant turned lightning network Super hacker, can I call you that, Renee? Well, it's probably a little bit too much, but if you want to, I mean, I cannot uh, blame you. <laughs> no, so, sorry, that's uh, again. Let's, let's do this again. Blame is the bad word. I, I meant to say something different. I guess uh, I cannot prohibit you to do this. Or okay, like, you know <laughs> my English. Well, I would just call you a Lightning Network hacker. But I, I came across Renee's uh, YouTube uh, tutorials and and videos. And instructional videos about about the Lightning Network. Uh, I was deep in the bowels of R slash Bitcoin, uh, which you have to go deep in the bowels of R slash Bitcoin to get anything golden out of it because the front page of it is just is garbage. But I was deep in there, and I found one of your instructional videos on the Lightning Network, and I thought, oh, this is perfect. If I were a developer and really enthusiastic about Lightning Network, this would be the perfect, you know. Uh, person to learn from uh you make everything you approach everything with such clarity and you present it just step by step by step it's really great and so i was like i'm gonna reach out to renee have him on the show and and now you're here so welcome to the show yeah let's yeah, uh, thanks for having me let's, let's start by just having you like explain who you are where you come from what your background is how you got into the space etc okay so I lived in China in 2010 and a friend came to me and asked me what I think about Bitcoin. And he knew that I'm like a rather technical person. I'm a mathematician and he was a banker and he explained the concept of Bitcoin so bad to me that I didn't even look at the link and just <laughs> said, no, no, honestly, I said, I don't need another PayPal. That was my answer. And then I started doing a PhD in computer science. And in 2013, um, colleagues came and said, well, there's this thing called Bitcoin. I'm like, yeah, I heard this before. I don't need this. And they're like, no, no, it's really cool. So I looked at it and I read the paper. And when I read the paper, I was, and I was like, okay, that's really cool. Um, 
So yeah, so since 2013, I'm interested in Bitcoin, but my PhD was more in natural language processing. Um, so I didn't really have time to go full crypto or full Bitcoin. Also, as a mathematician, I know how complex group theory and cryptography is. So I always respected those people of being like, well, that's not my skill set. I, I shouldn't be a developer there. Um, yeah, and then came the entire scaling debate, something that actually surprised me a little bit. Because when I read the white paper, I didn't realize that it wouldn't scale. And that's a little bit surprising as a data scientist. I sometimes think about scaling of web architectures, but for me, I didn't have the thought. Um, and then this entire scaling debate was there and the Lightning Network came up. And I saw the Lightning Network and I read the paper and I was like, dude, this is, this is even more brilliant than Bitcoin. And, you know, I'm a person who remembered living without internet and remembered living without Google. And when, when I became interested in technology, I was always like, it must have been so excited in the 70s to be there and be in university inventing all this stuff, inventing TCP IP, talking about networking protocols. So with the Lightning Network, I saw this awesome opportunity of being part of this. And then I decided, well, it might be a good idea to really become a part of this and interact with this a little bit more. So I think in June this year, there was the second lightning hack day in Berlin, and I decided that I would go there. Um, yeah, and it was an awesome event. Uh, the community was very welcoming. Um, I realized that uh, in my secret room where I always like, I never talked to anyone outside about my um, Bitcoin and lightning interests. And then I realized I had learned quite some stuff uh, alone and I decided it might be worthwhile to, to start sharing my knowledge and to help others to understand the technology better, but also to try to contribute to the technology. So for example, I have um, currently pull request running in C Lightning so that there's also an autopilot for C Lightning. Hmm. Quite a bit. I'd say, like, I don't know, I, I can I can relate to a lot of that stuff. I also have a PhD in a, in a, in a STEM field and, and group latched onto the space quite heavily when I finally got around to reading about it and then never really let go. And you find yourself kind of falling down the rabbit hole of, like, how to, like, it, I, it's really hard to not spread yourself too thin because there's yeah. so much cool stuff that you want to try and do. How do you how do you stay focused? Is lightning like do you think like you stay focused because you think lightning is the future of how this stuff works, especially from like a technical knowledge understanding of how it works? Yeah, let me let me just clarify one thing. I never finished my PhD though, right? So so I was a researcher for for six I, or seven years. I think years, if but... I think if I would have uh, found out about it earlier, I wouldn't have either. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So um, for me, it's. I think the entire argument of Bitcoin is really convincing. So I think Bitcoin has a really high chance to become our future money. Um, I was actually, when I was 15 years old, I started to become interested in the stock market and in economy. So I almost didn't study math, but I would study uh, economic, uh, economics. And um, with the Lightning Network, I, I see this is the perfect solution. It, it really resolves so many problems that Bitcoin kind of has. And what I like best about it is that the Lightning Network actually is Bitcoin. It's just a very smart and creative way of using the protocol, right? Because the only thing that you basically do is you, you send funds to a two out of two multi-signature wallet, and then you spend those funds directly, but you decide to not publish the transaction. And then, of course, you can modify the transaction in order to get a different state of your payment channel. 
And then you can do a little bit more fancy stuff in order to do routing and, you know, but it's just Bitcoin at its very core. So, so I think that's really, really nice. Yeah, I think that's one of the misnomers or, or myths that are out there about Lightning Network. I read so much of the, I guess you call it FUD, to buy into that terminology and that people, you're not actually using Bitcoin when you're on the Lightning Network or, or leveraging the Lightning Network. And could you like, how do you, how can we dispel that myth here today and say like, that's nonsense. <laughs> it's not Bitcoin notes. It's not checks. I've seen so many ridiculous analogies and I don't know how it's gotten to this point, but let's just dispel it. Well, well, I think what we can do best is to, to look at this from a scientific point of view, right? Mm -hmm. So just to, to try to find out the truth of it. Right. To some degree, I have to admit it is not Bitcoin in the sense that my Bitcoins are bound in a payment channel. Okay. Right. If, if I want to use Lightning right now for the very first time, I cannot use my Bitcoins directly. I need another piece of software. In that sense, it is something different, but only in that sense. This piece of software follows a certain protocol how I handle my Bitcoins. Right. I would not need this software if I would just write this myself. Right. Bitcoin is open to this. Right. And in, in that sense, it's Bitcoin at its very core, as I said before, right? It's, it's, it's just you, you send your Bitcoin to a multi-signature wallet with your channel partner. So you and your channel partner have the keys to this wallet. And before you send your Bitcoins to this wallet, you already make a transaction that spends those Bitcoins and sends them back to you so that you have the certainty that you can basically reclaim your funds without your channel partner, right? Because you want this payment channel to be created in a trustless manner, right? Your channel partner could, fraud, could be fraud, but also he could just like be going away. He could die for an accident or whatever, right? So, so you don't want to trust that your channel partner is there for you, right? And in that sense, it's just two Bitcoin transactions. And that's no, nobody can argue against this. You can read the white paper, you can read the lightning RFC, you can read the source code. It's all in there. So I want to maybe add to that, and that it is it is different. It it's it's a system that's rooted in Bitcoin, but it isn't Bitcoin. It follows the same principles and rules of Bitcoin, but it's a, it is a completely different system. Like you're like you're saying, you're, all you're doing is you're saying we are going to deposit this much money into a two of two multi-sig and then from there it's like from the bitcoin perspective it's magic how you come to the settlement layer from the bitcoin perspective and what bitcoin knows about how you get to that settlement layer is completely outside of the rules of bitcoin mm -hmm. you could do anything you want if you look at all the state channels architectures in ethereum they have multiple different kinds one of them is not doing anything at all it's the threat of doing it and so like, and, and, and from that perspective, it is a very different system and isn't Bitcoin. It's just rooted in Bitcoin. So it moves to this layer two architecture where you're using Bitcoin as a settlement layer and doing whatever you want outside of that settlement layer. Okay. Yeah, I well, see that. I see that too, but that's only one side to the story, right? That's one perspective that you could take. The other side to this perspective is, um, what you, what you basically do when you create a payment channel, you create a contract, right? Some people would call it even a smart contract, right? It's a contract between two consenting people or persons who, who decide that they want to lock their Bitcoins in this wallet. And then they have some protocol that they follow, which are all Bitcoin transactions. 
Yes, that but they don't have basically to. Basically gives you a balance sheet, right? So so in that sense, it is completely Bitcoin. It's just maybe not the most obvious use case of Bitcoin, right? It's it's it's, it's like my comparison is uh, for for the technical people that are listening with HTTP long polling. Right? If you look at the yeah. HTTP protocol, the the protocol that powers the World Wide Web, that's a request response protocol. You as a client make a request to a web server, and the web server serves you with an answer. Mm-hmm. Right? But nowadays, if you go on Twitter or you go on Facebook or you go basically on whatever site, you, you stay on the site, and then at some point in time, something pops up and tells you you have a new notification, you have a new message. Right? So from from user perspective, it seems like the server is talking to you. And if, if you look at the core definition of HTTP, that's kind of confusing. That's not how HTTP was built, right? <laughs> Your web browser is not supposed to, to accept uh, conversations from web servers, right? So it took us 10 years of HTTP until we figured out how to use the HTTP protocol. And the first versions of, of, of creating such behavior basically worked in a very simple way. What they did is it's very similar to what, what Bitcoin and Lightning is doing, is um, you make a request to the web server, and the web server just decides not to answer the request until something happens on the website, and then they answer the request. And then you see, oh, something pops up in my website. Right? Yeah. So, so from an end user, it seems like, wow, the server just communicated to me. But in reality, the server just held the response for a long time. right? And in Lightning, it's kind of the same. You already make a transaction. Every party of the payment channel could publish this transaction and broadcast it to the Bitcoin blockchain right away to the settlement layer, as you called it, right? But for some reason, the two people in this payment channel think it's wiser not to do this, right? Because it's more useful not to do this. And then, of course, you need to have ways of making sure that nobody publishes an old state, right? When you when you update the state uh, of your payment channel. But yeah, I mean, we, we, we have come up with this. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll rephrase what I said. Um, the argument that I gave a second ago is a naive argument for why the Bitcoin or why Lightning isn't Bitcoin. But luckily, the way it's implemented is the Bitcoin protocol. You're just not putting on the blockchain until you're done. Yes, yes, mm. I would agree on that. So another way to look at uh, to me, is it like nested? Is it like Bitcoin inside? Of, is it Bitcoin inception? <laughs> is it Bitcoin inside of Bitcoin? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would honestly say it's, you know, whenever you, you, I'm a mathematician, right? So, I mean, people could argue and say, Renee, why do you want to study math? We know how to add numbers. We know how to multiply numbers, right? Oh. People, <laughs> you're, you're talking yeah. to two other mathematicians, and that hurts. Yeah, I'm a math. Well, I'm not a mathematician, but yeah, you I are. Do. You have a bachelor's in math. You're a mathematician. But- yeah, but I'm not in here on my whiteboard just writing out algorithms. <laughs> well, I do do that, but that's for us. But I don't like. Never mind. Anyways, but, but, well, but, we but, we both do math, so go on, go. On. Yeah, but but maybe maybe other people in the audience don't, right? So so I also want to like um, put them onto the conversation here, right? Okay. So so you could you could wonder and say, well, you know how to multiply and you know how to add numbers, right? That's very natural operation. Why would you even study math? What, what is there more to understand, right? It turns out that people for years, for thousands of years, can study math and and discover mathematics. Mathematics, right? If you if you talk to high level mathematicians, they always talk about discovering math, mm-hmm. right? So so there is a rule system like Bitcoin is a rule system, is a protocol, and then there is a lot of stuff to discover. And I would say the Lightning Network was discovered, right? It's, it's it is Bitcoin. It is just not. Uh, 
an obvious way of using Bitcoin. Right, and in that sense, it's 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 nothing special or nothing particular about it. I think that's a really nice way of putting it. It is, and to 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 add to that point is very very funny. Is that when I first started studying math, um, the more complex things seemed to be a little bit easier for me to just execute in my brain. But the when it came down to studying like the foundational stuff, it was just a pain in the ass. Like real analysis and the foundations of like algebraic concepts. And then they start throwing in all this epsilon and delta. And then like I'm just like, what is happening? And it's actually really true what you say is that you go back and you study the foundations and you rediscover ways to put things together just based upon the really basic definitions um, that we discovered previously. So that is a good good observation. Yeah, so, so the, the rather exciting question to me is, what other stuff in Bitcoin is going to be discovered in the future? Or will people even know they discovered it? Well, uh, oh, true. If we want, <laughs> if we want to like take this analogy even further, um, the majority of high-level math concepts are are built on the foundations of low, of of other other frameworks, right? Like you can't do calculus right. without algebra mm -hmm. or trigonometry and things like that. And so, like, I'm curious to see what what we build once we build the lower level frameworks and that's currently where we're at we're, we're just figuring out some 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 fundamental mathematics of bitcoin if you will and mm -hmm. there's a lot to be discovered once we once we have strong foundations and like lightning network is an example of that like you can't build lightning network until you have the bitcoin protocol and oh, is a, that true i, I mean it's 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 difficult to come to that discovery until you have the issues that you come up against with scaling on the Bitcoin protocol. Okay, that's yeah, true. I think that's, right? a, I think that's a I think it, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And so, like you you end up most discoveries come from trying to solve problems. Uh, yes. In, in a certain thing, and and that's what we're that's what we're seeing now. Like we've we've gotten to the point where we have problems. And we're like, well, how do we solve these things? And it's like, well, here's a wonderful way of solving it. And you don't get there until you have the problems first. And I think that's, I, I'm curious to see what we come up with in the future of like how to solve these types of problems. And that's that's also what I would say one of the interesting things, right? If you if you look at blockchain technology, which which is basically the one of the core parts of technology behind Bitcoin, it seems that by definition, it should not scale, right? There's proof of work in it and proof of work kind of makes it computationally heavy. Even if you put more computational power on this, to, to to put more transactions per second into the blockchain, right? By definition. Um, however, we realize there is a way to scale this, right? Not by adding pure force and adding more computational power or adding more hardware. That makes the network more robust, right? But with the Lightning Network, we are able to scale this because now I have a payment channel with you. And basically in one payment channel, I'm only bound by TCP traffic, how often I would send funds back and forth in this payment channel with you. And then of course other people can do this. And then of course I can route the payments through several channels. And then at some point in time, I realized I can do a heck of a lot of transactions, monetary value transactions, right? They're not Bitcoin transactions in the sense that every transaction is being written to this open public ledger, but it is a medium of exchanging wealth. So one thing that I did before I decided that I like go full lightning network in my life, my mother was a banker and she's 70 years old, right? She was, she's retired. 
And I kind of knew if I'd ask her, what do you think about Bitcoin, that she would be somehow primed by mass media and would probably give me a standard answer that I could expect from a person being 70 years old. So what I did is I, I talked to her about some properties that the Lightning Network has and asked her how, how this would like act with the banking industry. So for example, I could pay someone, let's say 10 cents to Australia and the person would have the money two seconds later in their pocket. <laughs> it's kind of like beaming. And she's like, yeah, but that's impossible. And then she started explaining me how international money transfer works. And I'm like, yeah, but just imagine this would exist. And she would like, and she was like, this would be huge. I'm like, thanks. That's what I need to do. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You've given me what I wanted. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, my, 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 my fiancé was sitting next to me and she was like shaking her head, kind of like, Renee, what are you doing? You're so, uh, um, how to say, uh, manipulative, right? You're because leading. I kind of like wanted to... Leading, yes, leading is the better word. Yeah. So Because I kind of wanted to hear this, that's true, right? But I mean, I got an honest answer from her, right? And, and that's what I really wanted. So, so in that sense, I think it was okay to be leading here. <laughs> and, I think that's... Yes. I think it's yeah. very good you mentioned that because it, it gives what what helps me buy into this space more and more all the time is that if if banks wanted to compete with this, they would have to kind of change their whole economic competition model. Yes. Like globally, all of the banks around the world would have to say, hey, the way we used to play this game, we don't play it like that anymore. And I don't know if they've built up I don't know if they can absolve that much risk to just change the way they play the game and not communicating to each other because that's just not what banks do. They're all competing with each other to win a game. And so when you start saying things like, hey, we can send money around the world for free, they can't do that. Like they can't adapt it fast enough. And so there's just going to have to be this, these parallel systems that exist that give people options. Like, Corey, you say that all the time. But there's going to be the banking world, which transactions only can get so cheap. And then there's going to be crypto where, you know, sub Satoshi transactions are going through on the Lightning Network. So so, 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 so what, what I think actually here is that it is kind of interesting. If you if you look at what the Internet has done to society or to economy in general, is that it disrupted a lot of business models. Right? It was a very disruptive technology. I think media companies were among the first to, to realize this right? because media companies basically have the business model of owning copyright licenses and on the internet it's very hard to protect a piece of information right? and copyright is kind of a piece of information. And you, but you see other markets that are being completely busted by the internet. And if you think about banks, I mean, if you, if, you, if you think about traditional banking, like it was 100 years ago where we didn't have um, digitization, right? Um, I mean, honestly, I think banks fulfilled a reasonable business model, right? You, yeah. you wanted them to store your value and it was actually a great service that you can write a check or you can transfer money to, to some other place and you don't have to like... I don't know, 100 years ago, there probably weren't that many cars, but I mean, I imagine like 50 years ago, sit in a car and drive somewhere to deliver like uh, a bag full of money if you, if you want to do this. So, so, so banks did a reasonable thing there, right? And I think it also has some cost what they did, right? Because they actually really needed to transfer the physical good to some degree, 
right? Probably they would also be able to to write this in their books and to like make the clearing differently so that they wouldn't have to send every payment that is like a parcel which you would send with the postal service. But, you know, then technology came. And since the banking market is so heavily regulated, what basically happened is they could now make way more profits because they could basically use technology to, to make all that stuff cheaper, right? Lowering the costs, but still keeping up the high fees. And I think what, what Bitcoin and Lightning does is it actually tells them, well, now it's your time. <laughs> now, now we're disrupting your uh, industry. Well, a good portion and, of that disruption is the, is the fact of like a lot of the costs associated with banking is, is, the, is the custodial service and the security around holding other people's wealth. Right. And like, right. that's not cheap. And in, in a system like Bitcoin, where there is no custodian, well, there doesn't need to be custodianship, you lose all those fees. You lose all that middle band who has that obligation to hold on to that stuff and secure it appropriately. And you lose the fees associated with that. And so like, because of that, that's like, that's the banks don't know how to operate in a situation like that. We're like, well, what are we holding on to? What are we, what are we doing now? That is, that is true, but there's there's also other problems that I would think are coming up with, with Bitcoin and Lightning Network, right? So, I mean, there is also a cost for me to, to keep my private key secure, right? I have to be able to manage this. Either I have the cost in order to, like, learn how to do this, um, or I have to, like, rely on some technology or, you know, I mean, it's difficult, yeah. right? And oh, yeah. Obviously, a custodial service at this point could help out on this, right? Because they have um, um, effects of scale, right? If you solve this for several people at a time, it might be cheaper again, right? So, so I think it's not quite clear. What I what I like about Bitcoin and the Lightning Network is that it's completely permissionless, right? When 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 I like five years ago tried to, uh, to help a friend to build a payment service on their website, right? Basically for a digital download, it was a mess. You have to find a payment provider. You have to integrate this to your website. Then they have certain fees, a monthly fee. You basically have to fill out so many documents and paperwork and proof of um, like KYC stuff, right? If I'm building something on Lightning right now, I can just use the technology and it's there. Right? So, so one thing for my YouTube channel that I did, I think it's uh, my very first video, I had this like hack a lab series where I would like teach people how to create a, a lightning network application. And what I did is I was building a very basic voting application where I'm asking the audience what videos would you want to see. And then people could vote and then I would charge them one, one cent basically per vote, but on the lightning network, so 250 Satoshis at this time, I don't know. And for me, it was actually even more eye-opening Right? Because votes were coming in and people were paying me. And I'm like, dude, this is working. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I knew this before, right? Yeah. But it was like, for, I think for me, it was like a very uh, amazing experience. And uh, mm -hmm. there was Jack Mellers who created the Zap Wallet. And he did a short video of sitting in the United States and basically selecting all videos and, and paying 3,000 Satoshis. And uh, you, can, you can see this video on Wikipedia now. I, I put it as a proof of there's instant payment from United States to Europe uh, on the Wikipedia article. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Monetization uh, routes become just uh, the, the possibilities are kind of endless. Yes. You know, if you could charge so small amounts for people to consume the content that you put out there, then it's just a matter of volume for you. The content creator, you charge half a penny a minute. If you want to yes. watch me live stream uh, this lesson I'm about to give, 
And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that would say half a penny a minute. That's nothing. But shoot, you get thousands of people that come tune in for half a penny a minute. And all of a sudden your content becomes extremely valuable. So, yeah. Um, so it's, it's just nice to see how all this fits together. Right. Um, yeah. the, the question is, I mean, obviously, it's still a long path to go there. Oh, very long, super long. So. Oh, something we're... something that like as Andreas pointed out and on some of the some of his explanations of of how the lightning operates uh in it's like the routing of payments for the lightning network is separate from the actual protocol itself and the the routing aspect is what a lot of people um i guess naysayers of lightning network attack the most can you can you yeah. speak to that a little bit um so I, I don't see the problem, to be honest. Great. Um, Talk about it. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it, it makes sense to separate this from my perspective, right? Because one thing is, how do you really construct a payment channel? And what is the protocol of forwarding packets? And the other one is the, the question of discovery of routes. And I mean, maybe, maybe a tiny problem in there is that the, the capacity of the payment channel is known, but the actual balance sheet of the payment channel is not known, right? There's a huge demand for privacy uh, by the people who created the Lightning Network. So they decided to, to not make this data public. So one problem that I could have is that I need a little bit more time to find a route to a certain person because all the routes that I'm trying that look like they have enough capacity don't have the enough channel, um, uh, don't have enough balance on their channel. Um, that might be a little bit of a problem. Ah, but I, I mean, see. come on, it's, it's, it's technology, just probe them, right? Um, shouldn't be so much of a problem. Also, if you look at this from a graph theoretic point of view, um, the, the, the only property that is actually interesting on the long term is how good is the network flow, right? The network flow basically defines how many funds can I transfer from one node to an arbitrary other node, given the state of the network. And, um, Currently, you basically have to decide for one route and you have to send the entire payment through this route. And that is obviously not the best decision because you cannot um, utilize the, the network flow property, right? Because maybe I have two payment channels that allow one Bitcoin to flow in. And then I can technically um, receive two Bitcoins, but not in one payment, right? So there's ideas of making atomic multipath routing uh, in order to split up payments, basically in a similar way how IP packets are split up on the internet and how you can travel on different routes and then combine this as one big payment. And what I personally think is that it was really smart by the people who started creating the Lightning Network, who drafted the Bolt 1.0. So Bolt is the basics of Lightning technology, the, the, the Lightning Network RFC, that they decided to really go for a small, minimal, valuable, um, yeah, sorry, we have to do this again. Um, so, so they decided to go for a really small um, prototype by saying, we don't put all those fancy features in right now, but we just show that it's working. And then we can iterate on this, right? So that's why I think it's so important that in November, there's this, um, a spec meeting in Australia, where about 20 people come together and discuss how the protocol um, should be updated for the next version. And uh, these kind of functionalities will be part of the protocol. And then I think uh, 
it will become much more useful. So currently, I would even say uh, it's good to talk about adoption of Lightning Network. It's good to educate people about the technology. But right now, I would say the technology is not mature yet. Thank you for that. That's great. Yep. Seems like it's still pretty far away. Everything seems like it's really far away. And it's important that, 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 that we are aware of this, right? People are so, like, you, you write something on, on Reddit, right? You just said before you went deep down the Reddit hole. <laughs> and um, you, you write something there. And then people are like, when mainnet? When mainnet? When iOS wallet, right? And, and people are so demanding for this technology, which is great, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, we, we shouldn't rush this. Right, um, good thing just needs some time sometimes. Yeah, I think when you see less and less of those characters being uh, vocal is when we've reached right the equilibrium of where the economic principles and the actual what this technology can do will be aligned again. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I think I think the problems are so vast and the way current things are currently done and people are very are becoming more and more aware of that, especially as time goes on, that the demand for this type of thing increases rapidly because they want something that fixes these problems, but we can't rush the development of it because it needs to be done properly. And so you have this kind of a battle between people who like really want this to work and really want this to be a, the, the future versus the people who are building it. And they're like, well, let me do it right, man. Let me, give me, give me a break. Yeah. I see that. I'm, I'm just speaking like from the from the financial sliver of this that we try to ignore, um, but you can't. Is that the people that are usually like when mainnet, when this, when that? They're they're looking for this as a, as a short term. They're speculating. Okay. Right? They're, they're speculating, and the, the the more speculators that leave, um, you get a better equilibrium of okay, this is the actual value of the tech, and this is the utilitarian value, and this is not full of speculative value. This is what the tech offers and what it does. And this is the true demand. You reach an equilibrium there. And so I hope the wind main nets kind of go onto other stuff, like go, go look at other things. Well, you know, I don't know. I think they're part of the community too. I mean, it's, it's, I enjoy reading the front page of Reddit. It's, it's, oh, it's, yeah? it's, yeah, it's a fun leisure time activity, honestly. I mean, so I think I, I've been doing this for a major part of uh, Bitcoin's existence, right? And it's, it's yeah. just, it's, it's okay, right? Um, I mean, you, you, you have to know it's kind of like crazy yeah. and memes and, hey. you know, you don't have to take it yeah. too seriously, I would say, right? Uh, and, and once in a while, there's pretty good information on there. I, I would not have gone to the Lightning Hack Day if it wasn't for Reddit. I mean, this is where I found out about it. <laughs> so, yeah. so I think it's it's okay to have this like discussion too. But yeah, very true, very true. We will. So we we have two choices: we can wind down, or we can talk about that interesting custodial <laughs> services or custodial um, software that you are. You said you were thinking about building with Lightning mm -hmm. Network or. Yeah, so so the thing is, um, if you if you look at Lightning Network right now, basically you have to set up a full node and you have to set up a, a Lightning Network node, and then you have to fund payment channels. You have to get inbound payment channels, and then you can send and receive money. Um, I remember the first time in my life when I really went down this road, uh, which was in the beginning of this year. Uh, and the first frustration was, wait, I have to wait one week for the blockchain to download? Stupid. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, it's frustrating. <laughs> uh, 
And I mean, there are some solutions to this, right? Uh, for example, uh, Christian, um, uh, his name on, on, on GitHub and Twitter is Rootsol. He is um, building the Raspberry Blitz. You might have seen this. It's basically a Raspberry Pi together with an external hard drive and an LCD display. And he has Lightning Node and a Bitcoin Node running on this. And he even offers like a torrent downloads of the blockchain. Of course, you can't validate them. You have to trust him. But on the other side, it, it like helps out to 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 get your own Lightning Node um, in your in your basement. And of course, you can download the blockchain yourself and, and verify it, right? No one prohibits you to do so. I mean, what, and what you... then then one other thing came out before the last Lightning Hack Day. There was Nadav from Israel, and he released Spark Wallet, which is basically a remote control for C Lightning. I don't know if you have seen this. So if you have a C Lightning node running, he basically has a Node.js server that creates a public HTTP uh, API for your uh, Lightning node. And then he has some software which you can run in your browser or as a desktop application or mobile application uh, with which you can log into your wallet, and then you can send and receive money. And I saw this, and I was like, yeah, that's much easier. right? You still have to set up your Lightning nodes, but at least now sending and receiving becomes really, really easy. So on the last Lightning Hack Day in the hackathon part, I um, said, well, why don't we try to make Spark as a service, right? where people could basically get a hosted C Lightning node. And once they have this, we already care for payment channels and do all that stuff. But they get the access to it, and then they have the, the custodial wallet uh, or the remote control, I should say, um, with which they could control it. And yeah, that was quite a nice idea, I would say. Um, but of course, there's a problem. It's custodial, right? Um, we have to be trusted. And why would anyone, right? Um, so that's a difficult thing, right? But then, of course, you hear other people are saying, well, yeah, but on the Lightning Network, it's for micropayments. And if you have like... $50 in your account worth of Bitcoin, it's not so bad if something goes wrong, right? And also, I mean, you have some other advantages. If you run your Lightning node, you also have to like care about security and all of this. And maybe if some like central person decides to offer this as a service, they might be able to, to, to solve all these issues better than everyone else alone, right? So. Mm -hmm. That's the question, right? It's, 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 I think it's not a black or white thing. It's more a gray thing where you have to say, well, yeah, I, I think it's okay to have this service. And um, yeah. as long as you're clear about it, I mean, it's, it's fine if you're, if you're clear about the trade offs and the people who engage in that service understand that. Because you have, like, that's the thing, you have the option to not. And whereas, like, previously, you never did. And if you give people the option to do what they want, if they want to do that, that's fine. Exactly, right? So so that is something that I personally, I would say, dislike a little bit about the, the Bitcoin community, that some people have very strong, extreme views on stuff, right? As I said before, it's not this black or white. Sorry, <laughs> Don't know no. why the dog barks in this moment. Yeah. <laughs> they, have, they have strong opinions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was my thought. No, but, you know, it's, it's not this black or white thing, right? So... Um, you, you come to some people and you pitch this idea of a custodial service and they're like, no, 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 no. That's not what Bitcoin is about. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, of course, Bitcoin had this idea of decentralization, right? Exactly like Internet and World Wide Web had the idea of decentralization. But part of decentralization is 
that people have the freedom to offer a service like a custodial wallet and that people have the freedom to opt in for the service, right? Yeah. So, so it doesn't mean that it has to be like this. The great thing is that people don't have to use it, right? And another thing that I personally like about the idea of offering a custodial service is, first of all, it would help with adoption. Um, another idea also is, is that you can actually help revolutionizing a fintech and financial industry. So, for example, if, if I would offer a custodial service, what I'm currently thinking is that you could always tell your customers here, you can buy the Raspi Blitz or some other hardware and you can host your bank account yourself at home. Keep mm -hmm. your funds. I, I don't want them, right? <laughs> if, if, if you take, if you buy the Raspi Blitz right now, we send it over to you or you buy it from a third party because you don't want to trust us. You know, I don't know, buy it wherever you wish. But if you have it, I transfer the money to you. And how do I do this? I open a big payment channel, right? And I send over the money that was before in, in my custodial service. So I have another person with a big payment channel. This person, it's great because they have access to um, a good, strong network, right? Um, if I decide to be a bad acting person, no big deal. They close the channel. They open the channel with someone else. They hopefully have other channels anyway, right? So, so it's not important that uh, that I exist, right? And I always have to be like really not evil because otherwise people would not use me. It would work, right? And and then you could still offer a great user interface for your banking account. You could still offer like to help people with security, right? It's just the the business model will, and and I think that's also a great idea. But I, so I had I had two interesting thoughts while we had this conversation about custodial services, and that is one I'm starting to turn around on them. I know Corey for the last three weeks or so I've been like, why are we going back to banks? Why are we? And then we recently had a conversation with someone says that a custodial custodial services is more of an investment term and not just a banking term. Um, so I've kind of explored it personally, but then right before the conversation, I was thinking. If you are a custodial service and you're damn good at it, meaning that's actually a net positive for everyone in the system, because that means that everyone is attacking you because you're a honeypot, <laughs> but they're getting nowhere, right? Yes. They're, yes. they're getting nowhere. So they're wasting all those resources and most importantly, time, which they could be spending trying to get into other people's wallets and trying to hack other people's lives trying to just hack this huge honeypot and getting nowhere. So now I see that it actually is a pretty good net positive on the system if custodial services are great. And then I had a second thought. It was like, what if using like some sort of, I don't know, ZK proofs or, or whatever, you could prove how positive you were. Like if you knew different attack vectors and you had a way to measure them, and then you could prove that you were stopping X amount of attacks a day or X amount of attacks a week. Sure. And, but it was unbeknownst to the attackers, but you could make this, you know, information public to your customers or to whoever you're holding the funds for. And then they could also go and say, okay, you're not just sending me a spreadsheet with some random ass large numbers on it. You actually are stopping these attacks. Is that even possible, Corey? Cause I know you work in security. Is that even something you would want to do? from a security standpoint and say, hey, we're stopping 50,000 attacks a day. Like, oh yeah, the, 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 the majority of security work is trying to uh, really annoy attackers, <laughs> basically. You want, you want to demoralize them in a way so they just stop doing it. 
and if 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 you have i mean granted some in some cases if you do that incorrectly it, it motivates them to try new things but the best way to stop an, a, 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 a person from attacking you is to make them change their behavior mm -hmm. because that's so, that's a hard thing to do um so so uh, i'm not sure if this really fits well to what you said right now, but um, I still want to share this at this point. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit twisted on this, right? So, I mean, if you, if you look at the critics of the Lightning Network, right, which is basically people who gather around in this Bcash uh, community, right? They, they would say right away, well, we knew it, right? The Lightning Network is just to create more custodials and, and what are you doing? And I mean, to some degree, they have pretty strong arguments. The more I think about custodial wallet services, the more I see the problems and issues with them. On the other side, there's really also a lot of benefits to this. For example, um, talking about security, if every person has a lightning node, what this basically means by the end of the day that all Bitcoin funds in the world would be, if they're used in payment channels, on hot wallets, right? The, the lightning network by definition is a hot wallet. And that's of course risky. If I am a custodial wallet provider, what I can do is I can offer people their balance, but I don't have to have all the Bitcoins in a hot wallet. I don't have to have all Bitcoins of all customers locked up in payment channels. I just have to have enough Bitcoins locked up in payment channels to provide enough liquidity to access the network. And the rest of the Bitcoins I can probably lock away in cold storage, right? Which is also a security plus. Right, that even if somebody hacks the custodial service, not all of the bitcoins are gone. I feel like that's a uh, the same argument that was used that started fractional banking. Yeah, that, that's where I was going with that. That that's a dangerous road to go down. But it's not the same. But but, but it's it's, yeah, it's like a, it's like a modern version of the of of the thing. It doesn't mean it's going to move to the, that direction. But we have to be weary of it because it has the potential yeah. to move in that direction. But does it really? Does it really in the Lightning Network? You know, the thing is, everyone can request their funds right now, right away, even if they're on a cold storage, right? That's I mean, assuming then, you don't do anything to... with the money that's not locked up in Lightning and payment channels. If the money is sitting there yeah. and you have it in cold storage, yeah, yeah, then you have the option yeah, yeah, to do yeah, things yeah. with it. Exactly. You have to prove this. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, you should prove that. And that's <laughs> the nice part about that is you can prove, you can prove solvency can. in Bitcoin. I can. I can. That's the point. My my and and that's exactly not fractional reserve bank. Yeah, yeah. Which right? it's, it's, it's 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 um, the the German term is Vollgeld, and I know there's not. Uh, I think the English word is supposed to be deposit money, but it's it's. I think the the German word is much more beautiful. I hope to to bring this to the English language, like as a language. What is that word? Say it slowly for me now, because uh, Vollgeld, which means full money, right? Which means that you don't have fractional reserve banking. Every piece of money is backed by something. Right, and Bitcoin is basically Folgate. That that's what it is. Mm. Right, because the bitcoins are there. Right, and if I do something like this in the Lightning Network, of course people should not use my service if I don't provide a wallet where I'm saying here, this is where the bitcoins are. Yeah, right? that this kind of brought me to, to an interesting tinfoil hat question, and that is: with cryptocurrency, solvency can be easily proved. Then why aren't people proving it? No, no, I don't know. I'm sorry. I didn't exchanges. mean exchanges. You mean exchanges? We exchange. talked about that with we talked about that with um, uh, Dan Bonet, basically. Yeah. Like, there's there's a lot of and uh, Emin Goon. But go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, it's just, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> they don't want to show how big their honeypot is, right? I mean, there might be probably good reasons not to do this. That I mean, that's always security through obscurity idea, which is kind of bad, but you know, I mean, that's 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 a point, right? When when currently, as you know, I'm thinking about this custodial wallet thing, right? And I hear many people that say, well, we actually need something like this, right? And then, of course, an obvious question is, would you open source this? Right, and, and there's two arguments to this again, right? One argument would say, well, if you open source it and there is a bug, somebody can send you a patch and that's great. <laughs> On the other side, you make it much easier for an attacker to, to find the bug, right? And then of course you look back in history and you say, well, there's this entire Linux versus Windows discussion. And then you could say, well, in Linux, there were always fewer attack vectors. Yes, that's true, but there was also not so many reasons to, to build these attack vectors. In Windows, that was what everyone was using, right? So so it might not be true because it was open or closed, right? But it's, it's a very difficult decision. And, um, you know, in the in the last election cycle, I was a frontrunner for the German Pirate Party. And that was a very interesting experience in my life because I, I saw politics from a whole different point of view than just being Wait, a voter. You were you were a front runner, like you were nominated for the party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the German Pirate Party. Oh, I gotta look into this, but go on, go on with your story. <laughs> so, 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 so you you know you know the, the, the Pirate Party movement, right? Which started in Sweden. I, I did. I heard about it like very briefly and I looked, I read like one article and I was like, man, Europe is crazy. And then I came back to <laughs> yeah, we even have We even have politicians from the Pirate Party in the European Parliament. So, you know, in Europe, there's currently copyright reform and the, the, the German Pirate Party, they, yeah, well, I don't want to make advertisement for my party now. But um, the thing is, I was I was active in this movement, um, and the Pirate Party basically their, their goal is to think about how the internet is transforming society, right? And how how technology has to be involved in policy making and so on. And before, I mean, even being a member of a party, I was always a regular voter, right? And I had very like strong opinions on stuff, and be like, why is this not happening? And why is stuff so difficult? But when I changed roles and when I became this front runner, this experience was is there's always many different sides to a story and it's fucking difficult for a politician to make a good decision, right? It's 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 yeah. wow, it's, it's crazy, like right? There, there's there's so many lobbies, right? And I'm not talking about lobbyism in the sense of corruption, but really so many different interests that all need to be somehow heard, right? And it's 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 just crazy difficult. Mm. Yeah. That's very, very interesting to get a, uh, I didn't know you were a politician. So it was kind or a of- pirate. Or a pirate. <laughs> a pirate, right. I shouldn't make a custodial <laughs> wallet, right? I'm a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny, actually. I promise I'm not gonna, you know, you should probably talk to the spank chain guys about this whole booty thing they have going on. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, 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 so one one good thing for for pirates or at least German pirates is that transparency is one of our core values, right? And so I think that's one of the reasons why I'm even thinking about when you make a custodial wallet, you can prove that you have the funds, right? And but the thing really is, I mean, you ask why isn't Coinbase doing this? Why aren't exchanges doing this, mm-hmm. right? And um, you know, maybe there's really good reasons that we just don't see now. Right, I mean, I'm not saying there are, right? But maybe we just don't see them. Right? It could be. I don't know. Yeah. There's <laughs> dogs running wild. Maybe that's a maybe that's a sign. 
that that we should that we should wrap up. Yeah. Um, but Renee, it's been an amazing conversation. Um, I, I really, my hats off to you for the the work that you're doing in the Lightning Network community. Uh, because that was 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 weird. Is that in 2014, 2015? I think it was 2015. The Lightning Network first started, you know, hitting everyone's radar, and it was going to be all the latest and greatest. And now it just seems like it's you know struggling for the attention of the greater crypto community. But, anyways, we got to wrap this up with our um our, our trademark question. Wait, 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 wait. Before you do so, I, I want to I want to drop one thing. There's the Lightning Hack Day in New York, right? That helps oh, yeah. actually to what? to to. You want to plug your stuff after we do the question? Sure. Okay, we'll, we'll let we'll leave it on that because we want to leave the note on 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 what's going on with the Lightning Network. But uh, Corey, how do we ask this one? Oh, it's it's just the the, the standard what we started with. In ten words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? In ten words or less. Yeah. <laughs> I would have to think really hard about this. No, you got to do it on the spot. That's why it's fun. On the spot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gosh, that's so hard. I would say it's a revolution of our monetary system and how we transfer wealth between people. Yeah, 12 words. 12, 12? words. Sorry. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't that was better than most. I'll give you that. Well, that's good. Just, 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 just give me the bonus of not being a native English speaker. There you go. Yeah. It's <laughs> my 20%. Oh, yeah. We got to add a tolerance now, Corey, for international, <laughs> international audience. Um, well, that, that was good. Um, hopefully you don't mind at, at a later date, you'll be included in our books that we, we should have books coming out soon about, we, we kind of take everyone's description of the 10 words no. or less and we aggregate it and we put Rascal. a nice little book and no. give that to the crypto community. So well, um, I don't, I don't mind as long as you said that the question came unexpected and under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we give the backstory of why we right. came up with the question. Because I mean, that's always like later on you get taken out of context, and you're like, "Whoa, <laughs> what did I say? I even forgot already." <laughs> <laughs> Too late now. We got it. No, I was exactly. like, I, we all had an, an idea when Corey Chell and I have different opinions, obviously, and different experiences we bring to our uh, lenses in crypto. And the one thing that we agreed on is like, "Oh, if somebody really knows their." stuff or really believes in what they're doing they can describe it in less than 10 words it shouldn't take much so so what's the best description you stumbled upon so far uh i might have to read our book to give a good answer (laughs) there's been so many it's hard to say at this point there's a lot of really interesting interesting ways of trying to describe it in less than 10 words just send me an email once you know. <laughs> I'd be curious now. Well, you can read our book. That'll have all of them, or like yeah, a good portion of them. That's true. That's true. My most concise definition is just the future of money. Um, yeah, that's me. But magic internet money. <laughs> that's been that that's been said a few times now. Yeah, I guess so. Um, well, uh, still, I want to say about the Lightning Hack Day. Maybe yeah, yeah, let's plug uh, because... the Lightning Hack Day and everything that you have going on. To let everybody know oh, how to yeah. find you and everything. 
Exactly, because what you what you said before is that Lightning currently maybe lost a little bit of track, and I think there's currently this effort of creating those Lightning Hack Days, and the next one is uh, on the 27th and 28th of October in New York. So if you're in America, you should really come over, or at least if you're on the East Coast or in New York. Um, it's kind of like this unconference thing where people basically, like in a bar camp, come, can come and bring their own topics. But there's also a great variety of speakers uh, being invited. I think Peter Todd is coming and Christian Decker, who obviously wrote his dissertation about the Lightning Network. So that's really great. And uh, it's, it's a great way of interacting with the community. Many people who are long in the Bitcoin community said before that the Lightning Hack Days are pretty much like early Bitcoin meetups, where a lot of excitement is there and not so much FOMO and FUD. <laughs> so yeah. And of course, I mean, you can you can find my YouTube channel. I'm pretty sure you would like to link to it on the podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'll link to your channel in the show notes. Uh, but tell tell people how else to find you, if you're on Twitter, if you're on GitHub. Like yeah, obviously, obviously Gitter, uh, GitHub and Twitter I'm on. Uh, I even have a LinkedIn profile, but I, I hardly use it. Um, usually a good way of contacting me is also via email on the website. That's uh, rene-picard.te. So... There you can find my contact data. Yep. Renee-Picard, that's R-E-N-E-P-I-C-K-H-A-R-D-T. Dot D-E, yes. All right, dot D-E. Yes. Uh, well, thank you, Renee, for coming on the show. I really enjoy your videos. I almost wish I was like trying to be a developer um, because they're so easy to follow and you make it fun. I don't know if that's just your personality or, you know, the... I don't know. It's just go check it out. Everybody okay, cool. so. Yeah, I try. I try to keep up with this, and I try also to to make it a little bit less for the developers in the future. So thanks for having me on the show. I really enjoyed the conversation. Actually, I enjoy all the conversations with people who who um, are in the Bitcoin community. So since I'm reaching out to people, it's it's always amazing. It's the best community I've well probably been a member of. So it's great. Nice. <laughs> Come to the Lightning Act. They talk to me. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks a lot. See you. Bye-bye. And we're back. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Rene Picard. Uh, for the developers out there, we hope that it um, you go check out his stuff and that it inspires you to develop on the Lightning Network, uh, which is growing. It'll grow slow, but it is growing. Uh, Rain, if you're listening, your efforts are for naught. You're wasting your time. I'm kidding. No, I'm sure you <laughs> Cello's like, Renee, you've got to market the Lightning Network. You've got to market it. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, we, we just get, we're just going to wrap it up. The episode's going long. Um, so the BitcoinPodcast.com is where you can find all of the things that we do. Uh, we do lots of things. Uh, there's 10 shows currently running on the network. Um, shout out to Dave on Twitter who gave me an idea to, to spark on ramping back up. Uh, hopefully I can get that going for you. It's a good show. Uh, yeah, it was good. It's just GPPs have so many GPP problems and they can not schedule things. Um, well, shit, uh, we couldn't schedule things until we tried until we had to schedule things for a long time. That's very true. And when you've got like soccer practices and kids, all kinds of and kids and all kinds of stuff, I doubt. I think it's a lot of runaway brides. I think when people get right there, like, oh shit, I'm recording tomorrow. They get cold feet. 
Does maybe. it take a lot I mean, of nerve to get in front of the you mic? You had you had like a like a, a a nervous poop before every every interview up until like last <laughs> week. So I mean, yeah. you say had yeah. <laughs> that's past tense. That's still present tense. Um, it's like all the bad just re- gets released. Anyways, um, so anyways, we have ten shows. Um, you can listen to by just subscribing. Um, we cover almost everything in the crypto space except for a mining show, which quite frankly probably would be pretty boring. I don't even, if we could find the personality that could do a mining show and make it very vibrant for someone, reach out to us, please. We need a trading show. Uh, mining show? Yeah, but do we need show? a trading show? Because I feel like it's the same thing every day. Yeah. But I guess people like people that. People want right? that. People want that. I don't want that. People want that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should go to Trader Cobb. See if he wants to do something. But um, yeah, pretty much anything you want to you'd be curious about, we provide a dose of ether. Um, Joe, I know you like dose of ether. Um, I do. We have uh, Amy's new law and blockchain, um, law and blockchain show, uh, Crypto Bully, who's somebody who's getting his feet stamped into this industry. Feet stamped. And uh, feet it's stamped in the ground. Feet stamped. My my brain's just throwing words together. Hey me. Joe, I think you should yeah. say your last name with more emphasis when you tell people what it is. You'd be like, "My name's Joe Blau." Like, yeah. get, uh, I used get... to do that actually a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Blau. Middle name Liggity. Liggity Blau. <laughs> that actually is my middle name. <laughs> right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, that's it, guys. Joe, you have anything you want to plug? Joe, thanks for being on the show, mostly because you agreed with me. Well, welcome back anytime. <laughs> Made a lifelong friend of Cello by agreeing with him. I'm going to give you five stars on iTunes, too. Yes. Yeah. And then say me and Corey are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I can't I can't split up my stars, though. <laughs> hey, Cello, do we have any new reviews that we can read? Do we have any uh, reviews we can read? Yeah, Wayne left a review. Uh, yeah, he oh, just man. left one. That's on just the letters. I give this network two enthusiastic thumbs up and the coveted Wayne must listen award. Five stars. Wayne Tastic. That's is that what it says? A, it's yeah. appropriately Wayne. That's amazing. This is Wayne Tastic. You need you need to start making some content, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to see you give different cereals Wayne Tastic approval stickers in the grocery aisle. Wayne Tastic. Um that's it, guys. Shout out to Zazi Beats. Shout out to Zoe Saldana. Do you guys have any shout outs that you want to give? Nope. Hey, we're going to be in DEFCON and, 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 and the Status Hackathon next week. So uh, mm-hmm. come find us. Come talk to us. We're going to be doing all kinds of stuff. Yep. I got a gimbal so I can walk around and it's like a fancy selfie stick. And I can talk about... Anyways, you'll see the stuff. Um, play... Yeah, I'll